0: In the fall each year we all congregate The bouts all gathered at the church at Pelgin The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, well, children Faith. Ain't nothing fine, they in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and last things
1: Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast for a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Burley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. And Boss, we're 9-0, number one in all the land, about to head to Knoxville to face the hated Vols. And, uh, you know, we're back for another week. And main reason we do this is so we can not only talk dogs, but also interact with other dogs fans so like we've said a couple times we kind of want this to be like a neighborhood dogs bar so if you guys are listening and you like the show go ahead and go on apple and rate us um, subscribe to the show leave a review for us uh, shoot us an email and let us know what you like about the show what you don't like if you're on social go ahead and give us a follow on twitter instagram and facebook we just want to uh, interact with as many of you as possible and, and talk as much dogs as possible so um go ahead and Do that for us, and we'll look forward to barking with y'all as we continue this road to Indy. And on that note, boss, big win over Mizzou, not a cover of that massive spread. And I texted with you, the only thing that kept it from being a cover was the inability to cover up the blocked punt in the end. So (laughs) if we had those five extra points, homie, we would have had a cover on our hands,
0: but it wasn't to be. It was still a dominating performance, even without the cover. I mean, the game was never really in doubt, even when it looked a little sluggish there in the beginning. And let's talk about Nolan Smith for a second there. He clearly could have covered that punt. He was being very selfless. It looked like he held up to try to give Dan Jackson the cover there for the touchdown. So great play. And has has he ever had a more dominant stretch in his career than the last two and a half games? He has looked like the number one player that everyone thought he was going to be coming out of high school. He has looked amazing.
1: Yes. He has been a difference maker. I mean, it's very, very evident where he is on the field. The last, you know, uh, really four to five weeks. I think, I mean, he has really asserted himself. Um, And this is another thing about this team, man. I mean, you talk about him being selfless. dude. Nolan Smith, one of the best players on team. He's on, he's on pump block team, you know, like, I think that's one of the special things about this group. And I think it's one of the special things when you have excellent football teams in general is the propensity for key guys on the team to want to be a part of special teams. And that's absolutely the case on this team. And really, man, I think that's been kind of an undersold narrative of this 2021 team is how impactful the special teams has been. What what was that? The second or third block? Second? Second. And then what? There's been three field goals slash extra point blocks? Maybe more? Four? Three or four? Yes.
0: Three. Three. Pretty sure it's three.
1: I mean, homie, that's a lot of block kicks, especially for a Georgia team. I feel like (laughs) when's the last time you could say there were six block kicks in a season, much less through the first nine
0: games? I don't know. That's, That's a stat we need to look up. So I don't remember ever remembering there being this many block kicks in a season.
1: Oh, man. And like, there's been a bunch where they were right there. They almost blocked a couple more on Saturday. I mean, they're the schemes look good. Obviously, high energy, high effort on all those teams, and I think that's a product of the team leadership. I just, you know, it, it's got guys that are impact players that want to make an impact in that phase of the game, too. It has shown all season long. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was another good game for Trayvon Walker, too. I, he's, he's really, really starting to emerge, I think
0: he's looked really good and it's really almost made me a little nervous because beginning of the season and even through, I mean really through game five, there was really no doubt in my mind that he was coming back next year, but the way he's looked the last three games, it's like I'm not so sure he may go the way he's looked and the way he's flashed the last he's putting some really good film out there. That's really making me a little nervous that he may go pro now. But I mean, I'm still hoping he comes back, but he's any dog that goes pro and has a chance to make money. Never going to. They don't. But, you know, being greedy, want him to come back and play a senior year.
1: Did you see the tweet on Saturday? And I cannot remember who it was from. I'll have to go look because we should put it in the show notes. But somebody tweeted either from their vantage point on the field or from their vantage point in the press box there was a group or maybe a few NFL scouts near him. And he overheard them say, I wish the whole damn defense was draftable. And like, I just thought that kind of spoke to where this unit is at. Is they're just at, at a level, you know, D-line, linebacker, secondary, and pretty much across the board from a player perspective. They're just, they're just excellent. I mean, they have been excellent. So I thought that was quite the, the commentary from a third-party outsider to be like, yeah, could we just draft the whole defense? <laughs> and let's be honest, they didn't exactly come out on fire, I would say, on Saturday. I thought they looked a little – I don't know. I think we're just so used to seeing them be excellent that anything less than that, it kind of looks like they're not ready or something of that nature, right? And so I thought it was one of the slower starts – But I also don't know how much that's attributable to just how spoiled we've been this year with how elite they've been from start to finish, right? Like, we're we're talking about another game where they only allowed six points to an opponent. And, yes, Mizzou stinks, but their offense doesn't stink. I mean, their defense is atrocious, but their offense is not. And I know they had to play their backup quarterbacks, blah, blah, blah. But, dude, this is becoming an opponent – independent thing like people just don't score on Georgia's defense I I don't know it's just been bananas to kind of take this in and watch it and I feel like we're beating a dead horse because we say it every week but I really really hope that people are breathing this in and appreciating it for what it is and appreciating it for how unique and one of a kind it's. like this is a historic defense you're getting to watch And really, by the end of the year, it's probably going to be a historic team that you're watching. So, like, yeah, man, live it up. Enjoy this damn thing.
0: We have become spoiled. The fact that as much as we nitpick, and by we, I mean we as Georgia fans, as the Georgia fan base, and this goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the year, that no matter what, Georgia fans are not happy about anything. It's very aggravating. And we nitpick this defense. We nitpick the offense. We find stuff to be miserable about. It's very, very frustrating as a fan of this team and as someone who covers the team to witness and to see. Just we can't be happy no matter what. We got to find something to bitch about, for lack of a better term.
1: I will say this I thought the tenor on social media was a little milder this week following the Braves World Series title. Like it's almost like people took a breath a little bit and kind of unclenched and were like, Okay, let's let's kind of live in the joy that this week has been because it seemed like a very celebratory day, I thought, with Blooper being there and with Jock Peterson being there and honoring Coach Rick and honoring Lauren Smith. Like it seemed a very celebratory atmosphere at the stadium, and that seemed to kind of translate to people's watching experience via social. But um, yes, I think in general, that is absolutely correct. And I'm I'm interested to see as we move forward if that changes And look, man, I think some of this is just hand-wringing because now we're on the march to Atlanta. We're on the march to what's the next big domino to fall? I mean, we'll talk about Tennessee when we preview that later in the week. But, like, that's pretty much the last real domino that has to fall before Atlanta. And how big a domino that is, I think, is very debatable. Um, But, you know, I think people are – anxious about what's going to happen when they play the eventual SEC West champion, which after last weekend looks as up in the air as ever. Right, homie? I mean, yeah, you know, I I think you and I both would would have cashed in a couple weeks ago that it was going to be Georgia, Alabama in the Benz, but I don't know, man. They still got to play Arkansas. They still got to play Auburn. Who knows what could happen? I mean, I just, I'm not super sold on them right now. Let me ask you this. Speaking on that point, because I was thinking about this last night, because I can tell you where I'm at with it. I want it to be Bama. Like, I almost need it to be Bama. I feel like that is a, whatever you want to call it, psychological, emotional hurdle that I think the program needs to leap across. And I'm not saying it diminish anything for me because whoever they play, if they're SEC champs, I'm going to live in that joy and love it. And Same thing on the playoff path. If, if Alabama's not in those cards, it is what it is. But I will say this. It would, it would have a different level of satisfaction if they're one of the foes on the road of conquest. Do you agree with that? Or do you think I'm being crazy about that?
0: You, If you were to ask me this, the beginning of the season, and we probably talked about in the offseason, I would have one hundred percent agreed with you, but as we've gone through this season and watched this Bama team, I don't feel it. This Bama team doesn't look like Bama. They just don't. Like they're wearing the uniforms. Nick Saban's still on the sideline, but they don't look like Bama to me. They don't have. They don't have a game changer on offense. They don't have – they look lackluster on defense. Honestly, they look like us from the last couple of years. But here's I hate what, to say it. That's what, I, that's what it looks like.
1: But here's my point. I don't care how they look this year. What I'm saying is I think symbolically for the program, it would be more beneficial not just this year but in the long run For it to be them that we beat in Atlanta. For me. Because, dude, there's a lot of skeletons in that closet. And, like, I think it's a lot of ghosts that could be vanquished and a lot of, I don't even know if confidence is the right word, but I think it would steal the psychology of dog nation in the fact that, yeah, they got beat. We beat them. I don't care what version of them they are. Beating them is still beating them. And I think it's meaningful. That's my point with it. Like, I All want right. it to be them because I want to beat them. I really don't care what they look like or what version
0: of them it is. I just want to beat their ass. There's two sides to this coin for me. Okay, and one we won't know until January. So, if it's Bama in, in Atlanta, two scenarios play out. We win. We win the national championship. It doesn't matter it, to, to me that doesn't matter because once Kirby wins one, the dynasty is the, the dynasty foundation's built and everyone's chasing Georgia at that point in my opinion. Yeah that's if true. if it's if Georgia does not like my fear is I guess this is multiple scenarios in my head that just popped in. So my fear is the scenario that I don't want to play out is Bama doesn't make it. We get, we win the SEC championship. We get in the playoffs and we don't win the national championship because then Bama's is still there. That's the scenario. That's the worst case scenario that I can see. Like if we still beat Bama in the SEC championship, like I don't, not that I don't want to see us win the national championship, but if we don't somehow don't end up in Indy and don't win, then we still vanquish the demon. So to speak, do you see where I'm going with this? Like, That's my concern that my but I feel like that 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 concern of leaving the the dragon sleeping dragon still there I do have a fear of that, but not if we win. If we end up winning at all, I don't care who it is. What I'm saying is
1: for me, I think beating them in the SEC title, I almost think it it automatically makes them the national champion. And I'll tell you why. I think that's a psychological barrier that once they remove it, they will be unstoppable. I mean, there's not a team talent wise, and this isn't biased Georgia fans saying this. This is just a fact. If you've got two eyes and a brain, they are the most talented team in college football and it's not close. So the only thing that's going to keep them from raising a trophy in Indy is something they do to themselves, right? Like some type of self-inflicted loss because up and down a roster, There's nobody talent-wise that should beat them. I, I don't care who it is, Alabama included. But what I'm saying is the mental piece of it matters. And I think getting through that, that's one mountain to hit, right? There's I think there's two peaks on their national championship mountain. I think one is ascending Bama, and then the other is ascending to the national championship. If those things end up being one and the same, fine. I mean, I don't think they will be. I think I think if we beat Bama in the SC title game, their, their road is done. I think they're, I don't think they can get in as a two loss team, even if, I mean, maybe they could, if a lot of things went wrong, but the only scenario I can see that playing out that way is if, uh, is if Bama was the four and I don't think they're going to have Bama and Georgia play one versus four right after they've played each other in the SEC title. Game. I just don't, I don't foresee that happening. So I think it's a one-bite-at-the-apple thing for Alabama. If they don't win the SEC title, they're out. I just think that's the long and short. of it. I don't care what kind of game it is. I know a lot of people have said, well, what if it's a close game? I just don't think it matters. I think they're out if Georgia beats them.
0: mean, let's be honest. The way that they're playing right now, I, I want to play Bama in the SEC championship game. If I have my choice of the team, the options, give me Bama over A&M the way A&M's defense is playing.
1: Well, I, I'll be honest with you. Don't let them scare me. I mean, the West
0: No, is... no, neither, neither one of them do. But, I mean, if I had to choose one of the two, like, a defense is much better than Bama's, in my opinion. Their defense has a lot of dudes. Bama's, yeah. Bama's has Will Anderson, and that's it. Dude,
1: I, I don't think the issue is as much with Bama's defense. I just think they're more mortal along the offensive line than they've been in a long time. And I think that was pretty evident on Saturday. I mean, dude, that LSU team is not a very good football team. And they had a slug it out 20-14 to 14 win against LSU at home. Like, I, I don't know. I, I've just been very underwhelmed with what they do along both, both lines. Offensive and defensive. I do. Not, Will Anderson is a game changer, though. I mean, that dude is a freak. So, and I just feel like too, they're always going to have a little gravitas about her. So, it's different than playing an A and M. Like the A and M thing, they're going to be like a deer in headlights playing in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not. Jimbo's been in those stages before, but A and M hasn't for a long time, brother. I mean, when's the last time they played in the title game? They're still in the Big Twelve.
0: Yeah. That's fair. And point. even then it had
1: been a while. So I just that, that's what I mean. I, I think the exposure to the stage matters. So I don't know. We're kind of getting on a tangent, but that's <laughs> I it it matters to me. I want to beat Bama on the way to Indy. I do. Like it will make the juice a whole lot sweeter for me. It may not, I mean look, at the end of the day, I don't care. I just want them to win the title. So it's Opponent independent, I'm just telling you, it'll be a much sweeter bite of the apple if Alabama is one of the people that they stomp on on the road. That's it, because dude, it's a lot of pain involved with that, right? Like
0: 12, yeah. 17, 18. I don't know, man, it's just a lot. That'd be a I lot. I mean, don't forget man. the ass weapons, too. Don't forget oh, 08, don't forget yeah. you know, 15. 15. I mean, there were a lot of. Beatdowns in there too. The, the, they, they they weren't the they weren't the gut punches, but they they didn't feel good either. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I, that's what I mean. There's just a there's a lot of demons there, and I just want to see it happen. I really really want to see it happen. Um, so I want to talk to you about this just because it's been one of the things people complained about, and I'm not that neither here nor there about it because my thing is, did they score forty three points? Why are we? Pissing and moaning about this, but been a lot of hand wringing about the running game. Mizzou got the worst rush defense in all the SEC. I think maybe all of a, all of the country. I think they're hundred thirtieth in the nation out of one hundred thirty teams in rush defense.
0: They uh, actually moved up before the uh, before the Georgia game. I think they were one hundred twenty fourth before, so they weren't dead last, but they were close.
1: So obviously, not a I would say stupendous rushing performance, but. Also wasn't like Missouri is forcing Georgia off the field with three and outs, right? So I don't know. Was it – do you think that's much to do about nothing or do you think this actual legitimate area of concern? I mean, you know, Jamari Salier's not in there, so new unit of five playing together for the first time. Coach Smart said in his press conference today, thanks Jamari might have an outside shot to play this Saturday. I don't know. I'm just always interested in your opinion on that because for me, I'm always just end result. Like the offense scored 43 points or 41 if you don't
0: count the safety. So whatever. They look fine to me. The offensive line running the ball has looked ho-hum all season. And part of that has been with Stetson at quarterback or with, even with JT at quarterback, the most defensive coordinators have been like, we're going to make Georgia beat beat us passing the ball because of the depleted wide receiver core of then when Stetson took over that's just been the philosophy. So they're going to put seven, eight guys in the box. They're going to sneak a safety down. They're going to bring a corner in. They're going to do that. The difference is a lot of times we wear teams down. And for some reason on Saturday, we did not do that. Every other game, we've been able to wear the team down by the fourth quarter. We were able to bust one. Kyrus was the only one who busted one. And that wasn't a traditional run play. That was a, a jet sweep. So, but every other game, you know, Zeus busted one. Or we had like, you know, we started getting instead of those, those one to two yard runs, we started getting, you know, eight to ten yard runs in the third in the late and third, early fourth quarter. We didn't get those on Saturday. So that's that's one thing. The other thing is, and I do not want to turn this into a quarterback debate, but and I didn't really notice it that much earlier in the year because I wasn't paying that much attention to it, but I noticed it on Saturday. And this maybe was because JT was back in the game for the first time in a long time. Stetson doesn't really make checks at the line. Yeah. And I mean, you're a former quarterback. So maybe you can, maybe you can attest. Has he, has it been like that all year? And I just never noticed it.
1: Yeah. I, I have noticed on a few occasions where, and it's interesting, you notice it more on running plays than you do on pass plays. Yeah. Exactly. Because. Normally, I think the value of a quarterback, which I don't think gets written about a lot, is their ability to check in a run play to either shift protection or let's flip it or what are we going to do because we want to we want to go away from the blitz or whatever it may be. They run into blitzes a lot. And yes, that's a that's a that's a quarterback thing to me. I think that's one of those things where you got to recognize that and you got to shift that. And I think that's some of the value that JT provides. He's very, very good pre-snap. Um, well, I mean, the lad
0: touchdown, the lad touchdown was, I I think was a run play originally. And he checked out of it because if you look the way the line blocks, they block run. Correct. That's correct. Yes. So I think that was a run play that he changed. I think
1: you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, and you know, so,
0: my thing, my thing. I mean, there, is, there's a hand and I don't want to hand ring over quarterbacks.
1: Well, I, this is what I was going to say too. Is, dude, we're not in the room. We don't know what they're asking, you to, right? They may not be asking them to make those checks. So, they may just go look. Just, just go where we tell you to go. Or I just don't know, right? But yes, I have noticed in multiple games that we run into a lot of blitzes, which to me signals that we should have checked out of that at the line. But again, I'm not in the game plan room. I don't know. I don't know what they're instructing or or what they're saying. Now flip that. I do want to talk about this because I thought this was really telling on Saturday. I think it's been kind of climbing the ladder, but it, it, it really showed Saturday. Why receiver groups getting healthy, homie? Like I thought Jermaine looked healthy. I thought Arian looked healthy and Give Stetson credit, man. That fourth down throw to Arian. He threw that. Not not like at the break, like Arian hadn't even thought about making the break yet. Yeah. And that was a that was a dime. It was a dime. I'm um, beautiful ball. Uh and he understood his weapon, right? He knew I can put it back there and Arian can go get it because he's, you know, one of the fastest dudes in college football. So I thought that was a real instinctual play. You can't coach that. That just is what it is. So I thought that was great. And, dude, it was a fourth down play. I mean, that's a big nuts throw. So I thought that was a a great play. Jermaine Burton saved his ass multiple times. Dude, that throw that he made that was the, you know, Jermaine's first quote-unquote touchdown that got overturned and it was like at the one-yard line. Yeah. That ball should have been picked. Yeah. That was just a beautiful effort play by Jermaine. And that's what he does, man, when he is healthy. And look, man, you know, I, I was interested today. I did some research on it. You know, he's third on the team in receiving touchdowns. And I feel like he hasn't played all year. And he's third on the team in pass yard, passing uh, yards or receiving yards. Excuse me. So, like, that's crazy. I was shocked by both of those things. Yeah, he's only behind Ladd and Brock. That's it. Which would you have told? If I hadn't told you that, would you have guessed that he was the third? No, I'd have no idea. I had no idea well, of that. I just feel like he hasn't even played all year. That's what I mean, though. If he gets back healthy and Arian stays healthy, and we talked about it last week after Florida, I think Kieras is healthy. He had another – he had a nice run on his jet sweep. Like, I mean, I don't know, man. They are – and look, dude, Dom and George aren't even playing. Like, that, the, the healthier that room gets, the scarier that offense gets. To me. So that's why I just am not I'm just not super tense about the offense. Like, I feel like a lot of the fan bases, I just feel like they are – full of weapons. And shoot, can we talk to about Munkin and the play calling and notably his goal line play calling. And you know how your boy loves the Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis jumbo package, but i more want to talk about them shifting into the wild dog and James cook, just walking in untouched. Like I feel like coach Munkin does an incredible job of varying looks for opposing defenses to prepare for. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I just think that, uh, I think coach Munkin is not getting nearly the credit and praise that he should, should be from the nationwide pundits because the defense has been what it's been. But Todd Munkin has done an excellent
0: job all season. And I don't think he's using the majority of his playbook. Maybe. Yeah. And if he is, he's not using 70% of it, maybe using 60. Like I, I think there's so much that he just, he hasn't needed to use. Because yes. because the defense has been so dominant. So uh, if we get in a pickle, oh man, I can't wait to see what he... I mean, I don't want to be in a pickle, but if we get in a pickle, I can't wait to see what he pulls out. When I was in Jacksonville, the Florida game, the plays that Stetson missed, there were multiple people running wide open. Yeah. On Saturday, there were multiple people running wide open all, all game. And Stetson could pick and choose. So... It's just every game there's people running wide open and the same th- same thing was last year too. people were running wide open every yep. game, yeah, you just couldn't get the ball there every time, so <sighs> Munkin schemes some great great plays. I mean the way we talk about Sark is the way we should be talking about Munkin. yeah, yeah, I agree with that, but he doesn't yeah. have we he, he doesn't we don't have the stats guys because that's not the style of play. We, that's not the style of football that Georgia runs. So we're not going to have, you know, a thousand yard receiver, or we're not going to have, you know, someone who gets 13 touchdowns or a quarterback that throws, you know, 40 touchdowns. So that's why he doesn't get them that much pub because it, we're not, we don't play an exciting brand of football outside of Georgia. Dude. Don't you think though, like, have you envisioned what that offense could
1: look like with Brock at quarterback? with what he's able to do with his legs and his arms and like even Gunner, I feel like with the way they scheme things and man, if they kind of went NASCAR and went hurry up and like really push tempo and stuff, boy, I really, really, really think they could put up some points on me. I mean, I mean, they are putting up points. And I think for this year's team, like personality wise, they don't need to do that. Right. Like what's the benefit of them, scoring a point a minute or whatever it may be right they don't they don't need to do that it behooves them to chew clock let that defense rest and then just go wild when they're on the field right fully fully rested and roll full speed yeah so i I think there's some balance there because one of the one of the flips to having a high scoring offense is and especially if you score quick then your defense ends up being on the field a lot which then changes the motor they're able to play with. So I do think there's a happy medium there, but in a vacuum, man. Like if you think about what that offense could look like with with the way Brock plays, with his tools, with the way Gunner plays, with his skill set, i oh man, whew, that offense could be bananas. And you know, let's not you know forget that Lads a freshman, Brock's a freshman, you know. There's going to be so many weapons there. Darnell's an underclassman. Like, there's all these guys that are going to be back next year from an offensive perspective. Kendall's AD. back. AD. Kenny's back. AAD's back. I mean, like, dude, it's just it's a whole lot of weapons. So, if I mean, the benefit, and we've talked about this offline, but one of the nice things about Coach Munkin not getting a lot of national shine is hopefully – Ain't nobody going to come calling for vacant coaching positions, right? Like yeah. Hopefully he keeps his ass in Athens cuz that'd be good for all of us. Um but yeah, I mean I, it's just been for me fun to watch. It's it's been a fun offense to watch and a fun it's been fun to watch the game plans week to week. So I'm interested and I agree with you. I don't think they're using remotely close to the full array of that playbook. Like I don't even think he's gone forearm deep into that bag yet. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I think if they had to dial up some stuff, it could get really cool to watch. So that'll be something to kind of track as they get into Atlanta and then the playoff run and all that is to see what that offense kind of looks like if they want to get exotic and do some fun stuff. So I don't know what what else stuck out to you on Saturday. I'm probably forgetting some stuff because we've been on two tangents now, but just another dominating performance.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, the, quarterbacks get nitpicked to death. Like you said, Jermaine saves Stetson, but t- to me, it wasn't those passes. Those were 50, 50 balls. You know, we're, yeah. we throw, we play the, we have, we have those built into our game plan. Yeah. So we either want those to be caught or incomplete pass. We don't want those to be intercepted. Those weren't the yeah. plays that bothered me on Saturday with Stetson. The play that bothered me was the pass to, to Marcus on the sideline. That should have oh. been a pick six. Man, heck of a catch by Marcus, too. You talk about strong hands on me. No kidding. I, that that bothered me. I don't know what he saw up there, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, JT, first time he played since end of September, he looked like he hasn't played in over a month. So, yeah. well, I, I didn't you know, really...
1: In fairness, too, I thought the only one that he missed that was pretty egregious was the pick. And, yeah, it was a tip ball, so it's kind of an unfortunate pick. But, dude... If he throws that where he's supposed to throw it, that might have been touchdown. I think Jermaine just yeah. goes up the seam and scores a touchdown. I mean, he, that was just a, That was a bad ball, but I think that's a speed thing. I I don't think there's any way to simulate game speed. So you got to do it. You know, you just got to go play. Um, but hey, man, this is a great problem to have. Okay, you got two guys that are very very capable, and I think they do have some options as JT gets back into kind of game speed. For, hey, look, if, if the, the game plan is better served by having a more traditional pocket passer that needs to make run checks and stuff, a la the Clemson game, like, tell me this. Don't you think the Clemson game would look different offensively if Stetson played quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, I just think, dude, JT makes a lot, of, a lot wow. of checks, a lot of reads that I feel like the normal fan doesn't see, but probably keep you in a safe spot from a team perspective. So, man, I'm just, I'm happy to have both of them. And Stetson has played great. I, I, I do think that has gotten diminished a little bit in the larger narrative. Like, Stetson has played very well. And he should get credit for that. Like, and his teammates obviously love him. Like, multiple ones have gone to bat for him. They're all very joyful. Did you see him get so fired up when JT threw the touchdown pass? Like, that's what I love is that yeah. both of them are on each other's team, you know? Like and I don't think that's yeah. a lip service thing. Like you can
0: just tell those dudes are working for each other. And oh, I just love it. I love this freaking team. That, that's why I don't understand why Georgia fans can't just be happy and enjoy the ride. When was the last time that we had this much fun in a year? 17. I, I got to <laughs> But did, was 17 this much fun? It was I don't it was it was different. I don't remember Seven, feeling this I don't remember feeling this much having this much fun in 17.
1: Seventeen was different because 17 was more like a magic carpet ride where you kept waiting for the genie to go back in the bottle and the carpet to fall apart, like in Aladdin. Like that's kind of what 17 was like. Because it, it wasn't supposed but to be But
0: 17 wasn't as dominant though. Seventeen wasn't as dominant. That's what that I was
1: mean. it felt it felt like a magic ride. It didn't feel like there it was based in reality. Whereas this, dude, this feels real. Like, this feels like, oh, yeah. Like, it's not just us saying we're watching the best team in the country. It's everybody with a set of eyeballs saying, uh, yeah, that's the best team in the country. (laughs) Ain't nobody beating their ass. And, dude, it's fun, man. That's what I'm trying to, like, breathe it in. And, dude, it's not just fun in that way that they're the best team and everybody acknowledges they're the best team. This defense is – I've never seen anything like it. Like, not as a fan of my own teams anyways – And you really got to start looking back through history to think about when you've seen it in the college landscape, like what Bama 11 That defense was historic. You got to go back to the nineties and talk about some of those Florida state defenses, some of the Alabama defenses from the seventies and eighties, like historic defense that we're watching.
0: It's awesome. And it all started in, in Charlotte. And on top of that, you got to look at it from the perspective of we're in a different age of football,
1: yeah, 100%. where it
0: benefits the offenses. Hundred percent. You That's know they 100% always hundred percent true. They always say with with holding. You know, I mean, there, you could call John Madden. used to always say you could call holding on every play, which you can. But they always say that you're you're not supposed to call you're not supposed to call holding if the holding's like in between. You know, if the arms aren't extended or anything like that. Every single play. One of our D tackles, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Devontae Wyatt, somebody is being held with the arms extended, and it's never called. And we're still dominating people and getting to the quarterback and stuffing people at the line of scrimmage. It is egregious with the non-holding calls, and we're still dominating people. I think the other piece of it, I
1: think the other piece of it too, and that's a very valid point. This is a different age, and they're doing what people said you couldn't do anymore, which is... Dominate and win games with it. incredible defense. So I think that's awesome. The other piece of this is the intangible of how this team is with each other, how they interact with each other, how how they make the fan base feel because of what you're getting to watch, right? Like they're just a fun group to root for because you can tell they love each other and it's hard not to love them because of that. And I think that stems from the big personalities on the team. I think Jordan and Nolan and even like Chris Smith and Lewis seen like I, and the there's just a lot of really vibrant team first personalities and man, it's, it's just making it making for a lot of magic, I think. And you can't really value that or, or quantify it, but it's real, man. Like I feel every week I watch them, I'm like so excited to see them just because you want to, watch them be joyful for that three hours that you watch them play. So, yeah, man, it, it's been a hell of a fall, and I'm freaking so excited for the rest of it. Couldn't have said it better. All right, homie. Well, we got Tennessee this week going to Knoxville. We're going to have newly minted Knoxville resident and former Georgia tight end Arthur Lynch come on and preview the vials game with us this week. So we'll have that coming up for you. And uh, if you haven't already, make sure and go check out The Sunday snaps episodes with two of our favorite guys on the whole Georgia football team, long snappers, Payne Walker and William Moat, two great guys. Both were kind enough to come on and share their stories with us. So as we tell y'all every week, know your snappers, Uh, make sure and uh, go and support them, go follow them on social and make sure and pick them out on the field each Saturday and root for them. Uh, 47 and 56. So that's our guys. Um, Yeah, man. Until next time, go dogs. Sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.